I must have been about 11 years old, 11 or 12. My family and I were living in Indiana at the time, and we had decided to go on a weekend family vacation, a mini retreat. It was fall, I believe, though my memory is <laughs> very sketchy. Um, and we, we took a trip, just a quick weekend trip down to Paoli, Indiana. I don't remember anything about that trip except for one thing. We pulled into a not-so-luxurious motel to stay the night. And the lady that helped us to our room, she checked us in and everything, took our payment. She had this leg and the foot was like, it looked like it had been broken and never set. And it had healed like crooked and mangled and hobbled. And she just hobbled around helping us like it was no big deal. And my little 11 year old heart watching this lady was so broken and so hurt by the scene. I just couldn't get over the sadness and the uh, the wrongness of this lady's broken leg and like I just it just really struck me and hurt me like I just felt so sad for this lady and her broken leg I just thought I, I think I just thought or felt or whatever I just was like this isn't the way it should be this this isn't the way like she shouldn't have to live this way this isn't right <sighs> is it right is it fair should we have to live like this that's one of the things I want to talk about today this is the construction monk podcast I'm your host Jay Randall Ori and today I want to talk to you about how to live well in a dying body oh joy <laughs> I know look like stay with me okay I know this doesn't sound like a great topic like who wants to talk about death and dying, right? But look, I think it's interesting that most cultures throughout history have had specific and well thought out rites of passage that deal with death, even at a young age. Like, it's just a part, it's been a part of almost every culture except American culture and modern I could say modern Western culture like first world even maybe like we just don't have any good training when it comes to good ways to think about death like ways to help address it face it embrace it like we run from it um, I don't know if you're a very good student of culture your own culture I don't know if you think about these things. I am a student of culture. It's something that I've studied at the college level, the master's level, but it's something I just also observe all the time. I'm, I'm just watching people. I'm observing our culture, and it's much more accessible because of social media. We just can see the basic tenets of our culture very easily. So you may not pay attention, but you can. And I just noticed... One of the big things about our culture is a fascination and an idolization of youth. Why? There's, it's just a part of our culture. We, we idolize and we adore youthfulness because we fear and we run from death and dying. I read a very interesting study a few years back about Silicon, young Silicon Valley entrepreneur, millionaire and billionaires. Um, and the story was how they were pouring 
millions and billions of dollars into um, age research, specifically with the intent to unlock the key to solving death. Like, they, these, these young 20-somethings, tech, um, tech barons, I guess you could say, you know, these successful, very financially um, lucrative tech um, pioneers, I can think of the word, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, businessmen and women were, have, were pouring money or are pouring money into this research to figure out how to pre prevent death. And basically, a part of that story, and I've read this in other places, basically, there's no reason why we die. There's no scientifically explainable reason why the body starts to break down. Or really what happens is the body stops regenerating. It stops renewing. It stops healing so well. It's just, it's like a biological switch gets clicked and the body just stops doing what it's supposed to be doing so well. It stops. It starts doing it more poorly and less efficiently. All the things that keep us, you know, our bodies. I, I read somewhere that are actually, well, it's like we have a new body every seven years. Everything about our body regenerates. Every part of our physical body, except maybe the brain. Although we're finding that the brain is much more elastic and healable as well. But basically, we get a new body every seven years because of the way the body regenerates. Everything about the body. Now, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a biologist. I'm not a uh, medical expert. So, these are just things I've read. I could be wrong. I, you know, like, I could be wrong in how I read it or what I remember, but that's what I read. And the, the key idea, though, is that our bodies are always regenerating and, renew and renewing. I think it's so fascinating when I get, you know, when you get a cut or you get any kind of injury. And look, I work construction, so I've actually, this last, last couple of years, I've had some pretty, uh, a lot more severe injuries. I broke my left hand. I broke, broke the third metacarpal, right? I couldn't use my hand um, for a long time it, it's it took over six months to even start to get usable really like not even back to normal it took the bone healed much faster my muscles recovery was much longer they were just stiff and sore and tender i would go to sleep at night and i would wake up in the middle of the night and my hand would be cramping just the muscles um i had was holding a ramp set by the muzzle, which is a, it looks like a tiny shotgun, but it uses a 22 cartridge to shoot nails into concrete, and it had gone off in my hand, and so, it, like, that vibration broke the bone clean, but it also, like, like, sent this pulse through my, my whole hand, so the muscles were in shock as well from that, and it did, it felt like an earthquake went off in my hand, it was, ooh, it was no fun. I almost blacked out from the, it wasn't super painful, but just the experience, it almost blacked out. Um, and then about seven months or so later, I shaved the tip off of my finger with a table saw. And that also, I almost passed out from just the adrenaline. The, the blood doesn't bother me. Like the, the initial experience, I was like fine running around trying to get my wife to, find my wife to ever take me to the hospital. But um and then, of course, when I broke my, my hand, that was my left hand, and I couldn't use it for a long time. And so then I got tinnitus in my right elbow because I, I was using my right hand so much. And that has been a year and a half, and it's about 70% healed. It's taken a long time to heal. And, like, that can be a little discouraging dealing with... And, like, for a while, my right elbow, like... There were quite a few things I couldn't, like I, the, my muscle strength in my right arm because of that tinnitus, even though it's such a small part of my body, it, it created some weakness. And so I was kind of limited in my usage of my right hand and what I could do. I had to be very careful. I still have to be very careful. So um, it's taken a long time to heal. But I think it's interesting watching my body heal. I mean, 
I know it can be discouraging, and I've certainly dealt with some discouragement about, you know, restricted use of things that I used to be able to use freely. But at the same time, I think it's fascinating. And I've had to learn. I've, I've done research. What, you know, I went to the doctor with my elbow, and he was like, he was like, mm, I don't know. He didn't tell me what it was. He, he's like, I could refer you to a specialist. Like, he saw me. He's like, I'll set up the appointment. He never did. So I just finally researched on my own, figured it out, and started icing it every day. And um, <laughs> I, had to, I, I discovered more on Google than at my doctor's office. But, hey, I'm not complaining. I just thought it was, I thought it was kind of funny and ironic. Um, but, and I had a friend who had the same, a couple friends actually who had the same issue and they gave me some good advice and, you know, it's healing. I just think it's fascinating how our body heals. I think it's cool to watch. I mean, I think we don't have enough wonder at things like this because it's just, of course, it, it just happens and it's, we're used to it happening. But I think it's amazing how the body works, how the body heals and it's cool to learn. I think it's important to learn and work with your body's healing process, right? And that's part of what I want to talk about is like how to live well with a dying body. There is wisdom. This is a vessel. This body, it's a gift. It's a wonder. I mean, have you ever stopped to think about how many different smaller systems make up your big your whole your body? The limbic system and the neural system, you know, the brain, the nerves, the muscles, the chemical systems that go on, the blood, the veins, your fingernails, your hair, your eyes, your brain, your nose. It's amazing to me. Like, there are so many different systems and parts. Just your bones. You know how many bones are just in your hand? Um, it's like 20 or so. The, there's, there's all these tiny bones that enable your hand to move the way it does. Like, I work with my hands. I work construction. I run my own construction company. That's why I'm a construction monk. I, it's not every day, but there are many, many days I think about what I can do with my hands and my brain put together. The things that I can figure out and the things that I get to do. Um... You know, I get to transform spaces, but like I get to build stuff with my hand. It's amazing what our human bodies can do. And it's a wonder and it's a gift. And I don't know if we really stop and take that in. I think we take it for granted so much, the gift of this vessel. This, I, heard, there's a, I think it's a band called This Durable Earth Suit. But it's like, that's what this is. This is our durable earth suit. And that's part of what I want to talk about too, is like how to live well in a dying body. This isn't a fatalistic concept or theme. It's the idea that there is a way to live well in this dying body, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally and uh, spiritually. And physically, of course. Like, it's good to take care of our physical bodies, but it's good to be grounded in our whole being. And that's kind of, that's the bigger picture, is that we are not just a physical body. This is just a vessel. And it is the least permanent part of ourselves, but it's also the least significant part of ourselves. And I don't, you know, I don't know what you believe about the spiritual versus the physical, if you believe there is anything more than the physical. And, you know, whether you are a Christian or a Buddhist or an atheist or an agnostic or, or what you believe, but I know there is more than this physical. I, I saw the title of this article. I didn't read it. It seemed a little snarky and um, condescending, but... It was kind of a, um, it was a spiritually focused article. It was kind of more focused towards meditation and transcendentalism, maybe kind of a more Eastern spiritualist mindset. But it, the title was How Physicists Are, 
probably going to remember the title wrong. How Physicists Are Destroying Our Souls. But I thought it was a little bit too dramatic and maybe too negative towards physicists or scientists. But the idea that, it, that I, I, you know, I kind of got the idea of it. The idea was that, I think the idea is basically true that in Western culture we have been so scientifically focused in our idea of how the world works and our idea of truth that we have begun, we've been on this path of only establishing truth and, and our ideas about the world and ourselves based on the material. And I've listened to some longer talks by people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins, who are all scientists and atheists. And they have such a dominant experience and perspective of the world as purely material that they can't perceive of it the world being anything but material. But what this article was pointing out, and what I think is true, is that when we cannot see our whole self and cannot understand who we are in all our parts, then we start to lose very important aspects of our humanity. And all our parts, I was talking about our physical parts. Like all, When I say all our parts, I mean the three centers of being and knowing. I know that's a new idea to you, and I won't spend a lot of time on that. I've, I've dedicated probably almost 12 podcasts early, early on in, in the beginning of my podcasting career to this, these, these three, to two centers of being and knowing. But basically, the three centers of knowing are the three ways we experience the world through our body, the way our physical body experiences the world, our mind our intellectual center, and our heart, our emotional center. And then there are the three being centers, which are soul, spirit, and body. Our body is both a, a being center and a knowing center. It's the way we... So, like, the way we're grounded in the world is important. We have these parts to ourselves, to our personhood. Spirit, soul, body. And the soul is this... This um, the connector. Actually, the soul is the thing that connects all of our centers of being and knowing. And again, I'm not going to go into all the details, but basically, we are we are as a person, many parts, not just the physical. But the reality is, it's easy just to see ourselves as physical, and be grounded in this physical. That's a problem when the physical part of ourselves is passing away. There's a scripture. I'm going to actually... Uh, I, I looked it up. I A lot of times with scripture, I, I'm flying off the cuff. Or I'm flying uh, in the dark, you could say. And so I don't often try to get references right. But this one I thought was worth getting right. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses six, uh, verse 16. I think it's a good verse. Um, I had looked it up in three different translations. This one's the NASB, which is the New American Standard Bible, if you're interested in different translations. I think it's when you read different translations, they give different nuances to things. So this is Second Corinthians chapter 4. <laughs> Sorry for you Bible nerds. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. Hmm. This is the NIV. It says, though we outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And the New King James says, um, oh, sorry, that's Ephesians. Yeah, I want to read Ephesians eventually. Anyway, I liked the uh, NASB because it says, though our outer person is wasting away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. And so it gives this, this image, this picture, this idea that our personhood is more than one, we're, we're more than one part. There's more than one part to our person. There's the inner person and the outer person. 
what we could call the physical self and the spiritual self. And the physical self is the body. The spiritual self is our spirit. The soul is the the thing that connects the two. It's the bridge. Um, again, I'm not going to try to explain all these in detail, but basically, for this discussion, we have these two parts of our being connected together. But that may not be our experience. The connectivity of these two can be broadened and deepened, or it can be ignored and severed in, in many ways. This is what the spiritual journey is about. The spiritual journey is about getting more in tune with our spiritual self for the purpose of being grounded as a whole person in all of our being. Our spiritual self is the most permanent. It is actually eternal. And so, if we are to be grounded in a healthy way in our bodies, living well in a dying body, I think it's very important that we understand we are not dying. It's just the physical shell, the durable earth suit, this vehicle that we get to inhabit that is amazing and wonderful and lots of ability and, and memory to it and it's magical and mystical and wonderful and it's something we should be in awe of but we get to live in this body for a hundred years or so but it's okay to let it be what it is and let it pass as it does like um it's like managing the decline doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> but look, um, I think when we, when we are grounded in the proper way, we understand like it's not our permanent it's not our, it's not our permanent self, it's not our most significant self. That's okay. There's a weight lifted, and we can, instead of running from death and the reality of what our bodies are going through, and really <clears throat> struggling with the reality of that we can have a lot of grace a lot of <clears throat> patience a lot of comfort too right um, <clears throat> I mean uh, that experience I had as, a, as, a, as an 11 year old seeing that woman with that broken foot like that's that's been a lot of my experience I, I see in the world, I see, you know, we all see the decay and the brokenness. That's the other, I wanted to read this scripture too, That's the, that was the Ephesians scripture that I, um, Ephesians chapter 3, actually talks about the whole world being kind of groaning under this suffering, under this brokenness. Um, find it, hold on. Uh, where's it at? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I looked, Ephesians is a different verse. It's, uh, well, maybe I'll go back to that. It's Romans 8. It says, um, for, the cre for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters. The redemption of our body. Isn't that interesting? I skipped a little part there. Um, like creation is groaning under corruption. It says corruption. Our and we are groaning under corruption together. Like the whole world is in this big, big sorry, this great big groan together under the desolation of decay. The physical world, it's all like falling apart and wrestling and struggling and groaning and <sighs> under this weight of decay. 
We see it all around us. Things fall apart. The center does not hold. Entropy is reality. But here's the deeper reality. The outer man, the outer person is being, is, is wasting away, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. There is a deeper reality of renewal in the whole world. And that's what Romans says. It says even the, the whole earth, creation itself, is also waiting this renewal that's, that's coming. Like, yes, everything is falling apart. Yes, entropy is a reality. But it's also all being renewed day by day, not just us. Like, and so the message, the clear message is lean harder into the part of us that is actually being renewed. There's a hope. Like part of us is falling apart and heading towards a definite end. But part of us is actually growing better and better every day. It's being renewed and ref and refreshed and it's getting better. I think that's that's it's like a counterbalance, right? Yes, our physical bodies are going through this process where they are getting less and less efficient at renewal. They're actually going in the opposite direction of renewal, right? But there's this part of ourselves that is actually counterbalancing that. Where that is actually becoming more and more renewed, more and more new and better. That's the part that we need to lean hard into and be grounded in to counterbalance this other part that is dying. And when we have that counterbalance and we're grounded more deeply in the part of ourselves that is more permanent, we can also hold our least permanent part, our dying part, better. And less, with less importance, right? It's okay. It's about, like, our, it's about our experience of life in the world, really. Like, how are you, is your experience full of death and decay? And that's it. That's all you see. That's all you know. That's it. You know, life is fleeting. Life is short. Everything falls apart. Even everything you build, everything you do, nothing is permanent. That's the message of the body only, of this empty universe. It's the message of nihilism. Of nothingness. We came from nothing. We go to nothing. There is nothing more in this broken world that is falling apart. That's not true. And this, like, I'm not going to spend time here defending that idea or giving proofs for why I believe the spiritual is real. I, that's not my goal, and it's, I don't even believe that's possible. It's not possible for me to prove to you that you have a spirit, that there is this thing called the spiritual realm, the metaphysical realm. You have to work that out for yourself. I know that it's true. It's something that you really have to experience for yourself and delve into. But that's what I'm saying is, look, we need to be grounded in our spirit selves to counterbalance our physical selves because of this reality that our physical selves are dying. But when we live and lean into the spiritual reality of our spiritual self, which is renewal, which is newness, which is getting ever better, it does counterbalance the struggle with the reality that our physical self is getting worse. It's really the only way to face it, deal with it in a healthy way, to be able to face it instead of run from it. <coughs> I was sick, as you can hear. I'm just getting over being sick Monday. Monday, uh, this is Saturday morning. Monday, this is fall. It's, um, it's no early November. But Monday we got hit with this really stark cold snap. Woke up in the morning. It was just freezing. Like it had not been that cold for a while. This is the coldest it's been this fall. And I woke up 
I always have sinus, like changing of seasons, changing of weather. I just have sinuses. Well, I got hit really hard Monday and Tuesday. I mean, it felt like I, I had a slight fever. My nose was running. I just felt miserable. I felt achy. And about Thursday, I started to feel better. You know, I did the things I needed to do. Um, tried to rest more and still worked. But, uh, man, it just, you know, uh, <clears throat> that's kind of what, <clears throat> led me to this to this topic because I was just thinking about that like when you're sick I don't know if you've noticed if you pay attention but it feels it feels like you're dying right and this time around I've done this kind of before but this time around I kind of just I sat with being sick in a different way I kind of felt it differently I could I could feel the weight <clears throat> of it <clears throat> in my body like it felt like it felt like a mini death in a way like it felt like my body was wrestling against death in a way and like i could feel in my spirit in my heart in my mind also the wrestle of like this feeling of death i felt the weight of this body that is moving towards falling apart and this little sickness this like it was amazing just my my basically my you know because of the cold, my sinuses swelled up, <clears throat> and that was it. This one little part of my body dysfunctioning, having this little malfunction, made my whole body feel sluggish. It felt just dragged down, and it just felt, it just felt like my whole being felt caught up in this kind of dreary, dour mood and and, and energy. And um, one of the things, you know, so I was just kind of paying attention and just just observing my myself and kind of this in this state. One of the things that I thought was very interesting was like things felt very different in that state, even spiritually, emotionally. Like I just had this this more clear sense of what was good and what was not, even for my physical body. Like kind of just had this. Epiphany. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but like when you're sick, you don't want to eat sugar. Like this is true for me. Maybe that's not true for you. I don't know how in tune you are with your body and your your whole being experience. But like when I'm sick, I want to eat fresh. Like I want to eat like fresh cooked vegetables. I want to, you know, I I have stopped eating sugar anyway. But I used to smoke, and like I'm, you know, when you're sick. You don't want to smoke. You don't want to. You just you want to eat healthy stuff, and you want to kind of be healthier. And I was just kind of was thinking like, we need to live when we're healthy, like we do when we're sick. Like we need to understand that we need to take care of our bodies. We need to be grounded in our spirits better too. When we're sick, and when you're sick, I don't know. You know, everybody's experience can be different, but. I think it kind of it's a, it's a good wake up call and it's a good reminder like how we're moving through the world and life. When we're sick, you know what what matters the most when you're sick? You just want to get better, right? You want to be healthy. And then when you're healthy, what what's your focus? You're not thinking about it at all, right? You're healthy. You're going to eat that extra candy bar at work and that bag of potato chips and that extra donut and have that extra and have that seventh cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I think there is a lot of wisdom to being a little more circumspect in how we live and how even how we live in our bodies. Like, when you're, <clears throat> when you're grounded, and this is another interesting uh, side note, but when you're grounded in your body in the right way, when you're balanced by your spirit, you have a different perspective. And you might think... If the body is not permanent and our spirits are our permanent selves, you might think that might lead to a negligence towards the body. Well, it's just the body. It's passing anyway. Let's just let's just go out with a bang and just get, you know, suck all, grab life by the horns and just go at it with gusto, right? There's actually, there was actually a movement. It was... Uh, Right before the time of Christ, there was this this religious movement. It was called Gnosticism. 
and gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. But Gnosticism was, they had this belief that the body, I don't know why knowledge, but they were like, they were focused on the physical in a way, in a different way. So Gnostics believed that the physical body was almost like not even real. Like it didn't matter what you did in the physical world, in the physical body. All this was just almost like an illusion. And the spiritual self was all that mattered. And so the physical self and everything you did in it didn't matter. And so they they practiced a kind of hedonism too. It was like, it doesn't matter. There's no consequence to living in the physical body because it doesn't matter. It's, it matters so little. It doesn't even matter what you do in the physical body. You could, How you treat people, how you treat yourself. There was this extreme kind of abandonment of the body because of this idea of our spiritual self being the more permanent. It was a really not a big movement. It didn't take on. And it actually, in the first century, it's addressed in the Christian scriptures by the Apostle Paul, because it was creeping into the church in some ways, because obviously Christianity has this dualistic self concept as well, this personhood concept of the spirit and the, and the body. But it didn't take hold. It was strongly discouraged and rooted out. And it died out. But I think it's interesting, you know, like, my experience has been that the more in tune I am with God and my spiritual self, the more I want to take care of my physical self because I want to live well while I'm here. I want to live circumspect and sober-minded, right? I want to be healthy. And, like, actually, my experience, my mystical experience, I'm a construction monk. The monk part means that I practice contemplation and... I experience God in real and vibrant ways. I'm a mystic, which means I hear from God. And like, you know, again, you can believe this as much as you want or not, but like God, over the last five years, after my breakdown, after my wake-up call, after I began to really get more in tune with God and see things differently, like God has shown me a lot about my physical, how to, t how to live in my body well. Like God's given me very specific very specific directions about what to eat and how to how to um, live and, and be healthy and like I do yoga almost every night it's very helpful for me also because I'm I'm 47 I do construction and I get sore a lot I'm just sore my back hurts so I do yoga every night man it keeps me limber and stretched out and uh, and it feels good and I don't, I've, I've really cut out sugar. I drink water. I drink one cup of coffee a day with honey and half and half. Creamy and honey <laughs> coffee. Um, creamy honey coffee. That's what I was trying to say. Um, but other than that, I drink water. I drink no juice. It's a lot of sugar. I do drink beer from time to time. That is some sugar. I do eat some bread. I've really reduced. I eat no potato chips. Um, I do. I eat tons of potatoes, though. I, again, I'm not. This is not me trying to prescribe something for you, but like God has shown me all these things. God's shown me to stop drinking milk. I still eat cheese and dairy. There's some good bacteria cultures and some dairy products. No milk, except for my half and half. <laughs> but like, <coughs> <coughs> sorry. Hey, I don't edit anything, just so you know. Um, I'm getting over being sick, but like, I think it's it's good. Like, some people can go to extremes, and people can be religious and legalistic about their health too. Like, God told me not to drink any milk, so I'm not gonna have any half and half, and I'm not gonna have any cheese. And you know, like, there's a balance, and it's okay to enjoy. Like, this is not extreme asceticism where you're like treating your body harshly. And that's the opposite of Gnosticism. Gnosticism was like, do whatever you want in your body, with your body, to your body. And there's the opposite, which is like, treat your body so harshly and so severely and never enjoy anything in your body. Like Gnosticism had a great element of hedonism, like running after pleasure and like there was no restraint. But the opposite isn't healthy either. Like... God gave us our bodies with senses and sensations to enjoy. Don't get me started on sex and the church <laughs> because that's a whole other topic. But like Christianity, it can be very prudish. 
I think because of this dynamic as well of this idea that well, it's, it's sin and like you better watch out you better not have too much fun or God might zap you bam <laughs> no that's not true like God has shown me how to live healthy in my body. Why? Like, there's nothing more enjoyable than being healthy. <laughs> it's not for the purpose of stamping down or tamping down our joy. It's so that we can enjoy life more. And like, God wants me to live a long time. And after my breakdown, like, my whole, everything about me felt like it was dying. Oh, there's a campfire. Sorry, I just entered this clearing there's a there's a smoke a smoldering campfire here. That's that must have been from the night before. I'm sitting by the campfire. This is this is cool. I'm sitting by the campfire with you guys. Can you feel it? <laughs> anyway, like there's nothing more enjoyable than to be healthy and to enjoy being alive. Like a vibrant, thriving life is the goal. That's God's goal. It's not to squelch your fun. And pleasure, but it's to balance it. You know, not to go to, not to be in excess, right? To be, to have a moderate approach towards consumption. And look, our world needs a moderate approach towards consumption, and it starts with our bodies. Like the uh, Western first world, the Western first world mentality is like, get everything you can, use everything you got. Like, get everything and, and just dig the whole earth up for every all its minute like, use and consume. And, like, our approach towards the earth as God's body should be the same as, our, as towards our own bodies. Live healthy. Enjoy it, yes. Enjoy it. But enjoy it in a way that is healthy. Healthy for me. Healthy for you. Healthy for society. Healthy for the earth. And I'm skipping by that quickly, but my tradition of contemplation teaches that the earth is God's body. That's God's physical self in a way. Creation came from God the same way we did. I mean, it's not, it's not a literal, like a literal, the earth is God's body. It's not pantheism. It's panentheism, God in all things. Like in a sense, we, sh we should treat the earth like it's God's body. But we, like if we're not healthy in our bodies... It's no wonder we're not healthy with God's body. And it's true. Like, be healthy in your body. And a, the best way to be healthy in your body is to be grounded in your spirit and have a, a balance. Spiritual life, spiritual journey gives us wisdom for our physical life and our physical journey. It balances too. And I talked about this. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm very spiritually sensitive. I really feel spiritual environments and spirits of people and also other spirits angels demons i feel all these spirits a lot uh not all the time not in every way but a lot and so i feel the weight of the spiritual reality and i feel the weight of the message of the negative spiritual energy in the world which is the energy of death. And it has a message of death. And it has a message of fear. But like learning to face that, learning to be more in tune and aware of all these energies is part of it. And I don't want to get too mystical and weird because I know it's that's out, especially for Western culture. Like it's really far out of the box for most people. And I get that. And I'm, I'm a very rational person too. Uh, if you know Enneagram, I'm a four with a five wing, very strong in both, which means I'm a very, four is a very emotive person and five is a very intellectual person. And so I have a good balance between these, those two things. But um, like living well in our bodies, being grounded in our spirits means that we understand kind of the, the a big picture dynamic of what's going on in the world and the energy and the messaging. There is a strong dominant negative energy in the world that's that is like that has us running from death running away and not very in tune with our spiritual self but when we're more spiritually aware 
we know first that we are a spirit, which is eternal, it's imperishable, and that in and of itself is grounding. But we're also more in tune with the spiritual energies around us. And look, I've, I feel the messaging of this negative energy, whether it's from people or it's like this, there's a larger human consciousness to this energy, like that, you know. And then there are also evil spirits. And like there's, that, there's a weight, there's a heaviness to this, to this message, this negative energy in the world that feels pretty oppressive. And it feels like the message is you're dying and you should be afraid and you should run away from it and you should hide and you should numb and you should ignore and you should. But what, what I'm saying is like there's a lot of destructive things we can do when we're running away and ignoring this reality. And when we don't understand that the bigger reality is this positive spiritual energy of God that says, really, that's always saying it's okay. Like that verse I read in 1 Corinthians, which, which says, hey, you know what? Yes, your outer person is falling apart. But there's a deeper reality of renewal in your inner person. When you're in tune with it, it's like the falling apart becomes much more mitigated and insignificant because the real you, the real reality of the whole world is renewal. And so like, I wake up in the mornings as a, you can hear the plane going by. I can see him. <laughs> there is a beauty to life when we embrace the reality that our physical self is falling apart, but our real self, our spiritual self is actually doing the opposite. That counterbalance brings beauty and we can live in the world and in ourselves in a holistic way in a broad with a broad perspective that is like that sees all around us the healing and the renewal that's going on and the beauty of the seasons and the beauty that yes things fall apart but they but there is this higher consciousness of god that is putting things back together there's actually the meta narrative of the world <clears throat> that is the story of god bringing things back to wholeness bringing things through the process of healing and renewal and you can't see it but I'm moving my arm in this big circle <laughs> because it is it's like yes we whatever the reason whether the fall of Adam and Eve and the story of the Garden of Eden is literal or <clears throat> just a story like there was this or there is this reality that for some reason things the entropy is real Things are falling apart. But the bigger story is that they're getting put back together better and better and better and better and better until finally they're put back together so good that they stop falling apart. <laughs> That's the story. That's the big story of the biggest reality of the world. But you can only hear it and see it when you're in tune spiritually with yourself and the world. Like that idea of being renewed day by day is the story of a journey and a process of things getting better and better and better and better until they're so good that there is no better. Everything's made right. Everything's made new. Everything is good again, completely good. No death. And that's in the book of Revelation, in the Christian scriptures, if you don't know. Like, the end of the story is, <clears throat> uh, it, it's described as heaven. I have some different perspectives about heaven. And in fact, it says that, Heaven actually comes down, and the earth and heaven are one. It's this idea that, like, the perfection that we think about heaven, with which we think about heaven, like, that's not some faraway place, but that, that, uh, that perfection and that state of being in a place that is just good and there's no, nothing bad, like, eventually the earth will be that. That's kind of the picture. And it says there will be no more death, no more crying, no more tears, no more weeping, no more pain, no more suffering. Like, that's what we're moving towards. That's the story. But if you're simply grounded in the material, what's the story of the purely material universe? It's actually being pulled apart. It's expanding, right? What is it expanding into? What's it becoming? I don't know. But it's actually being pulled apart. The center does not hold. In the physical universe, everything is falling apart, breaking down. Death and decay is the story in the purely material universe. There's no way around it. 
And there's no way to mitigate it, if that's the only reality. There's no way to mitigate the despondency, and the darkness, and the bleakness of that. Sorry, I'm really struggling with a lot of drainage. And I'm just kind of a... Ah, a frog in my throat, basically. What a strange expression. <laughs> but like... Um, in a sense, atheistic science does us no favors. It puts us in this place of nihilism, of nothingness, of meaninglessness, of... It's depressing. How do you mitigate a purely material world where everything is falling apart? How do you mitigate that emotionally? Like... There's no way to, there's no good way to feel about that. The only way the way to mitigate that is numbing. You push it away. You ignore it as long as you can. But like for my sensitive self, my sensitive eleven year old, that's who I still am, that's who I've always been. Like I see people suffering and breaking down and broken. And I can't turn away from that. I can't ignore it. And it's okay because through that process I've learned that there's hope as I deal with my own body and its own failings and falling apart and I see others in the same process I still have a hope I still have there's a brightness that it's it's okay like I can embrace even the reality that our physical bodies are made to heal even though they'll do that less and less efficiently and I see the world in the same state and it sometimes our world seems like it's just falling apart in so many ways socially politically Everything can seem really dark and dreary. Oppression and um, hate, racism, bigotry, sexism. <clears throat> but there's a deeper story and a deeper reality of a bigger mind, spiritual being who is putting us back together. And so the, the moment, sometimes the momentary ups and downs of life can seem bleak. But the big picture is that we're moving towards a final culmination of renewal. But when you're and when you're grounded in that reality, when you're well grounded in your spiritual self, that hopefulness dominates and overshadows the darkness with light, with beauty, with hope. There is no way to mitigate the reality of a of death and, and dying in the physical world except through the reality that we are more and there is more. Otherwise, run from it. Otherwise, idolize youth and ignore age. Put old people in homes. Don't see them. Don't see the brokenness. My father-in-law has been dealing with Parkinson's for probably five years now. In the beginning, uh, they were working on his meds, but I, you know, just watching him <clears throat> go through days where he could when he had to shuffle and he couldn't do the things he used to do like it weighed on me it weighs on me it does weigh on me when I see the brokenness of the world and you know um, when I used to work for my this thrift store charity this gentleman came in and he always had his shoulders kind of looked weird and I talked to him about it he's like yeah I have a muscle I have a degenerative disease in my shoulder muscles I've had a couple surgeries to fix it, but it's like basically my muscles and my shoulders are going to continue just to lose muscle, lose muscular, um, <laughs> lose their muscular ability. And he was in his 30s. He had two teenage sons. And I just like, oh, I felt the weight of that, of what, what was his future. And people with Parkinson's and um, people with... Um, MS and like these degenerative diseases like people in wheelchairs like you can't ignore the fact that the world in a physical sense all around us is falling apart you can't ignore it but you can numb to it you can try and ignore it in yourself but look what I'm saying is even in every way ignoring it doesn't help you mitigate it and manage it manage the managing the decline of your physical self part of that is being grounded in the renewal of your spiritual self and when you face it that's what I'm saying is like when you look at it and say look 
My physical body is this way. It's on this journey. But what's my goal? My goal is to be as healthy as I can be and to work with my body in its healing process and to be mindful of it. Like, not to, when we numb and we ignore it, we ignore it in ourselves and we don't manage it so well. And we just eat all the junk food and we fuel our bodies with things that they're not meant to be fueled by and we live in our bodies. We don't, we don't manage our physical bodies so well. I think really, <clears throat> or we go the opposite and we like, we grind it out so hard and we, you know, you can actually do harm to your body overdoing it, you know? Um, I won't go into all the, you know, veganism and all this stuff and you know, just be healthy. Like we can be healthy, but really you've got to face the reality that you're managing the decline physically. But the counterbalance in our whole being is that we're actually managing a renewal process in our spirits, which is that we're getting better and better and better. And that's the only counterbalance there could be to this, this dark and bleak and dismal reality of the physical is the bright and beautiful and hopeful reality of the spiritual. <laughs> I wake up excited for every day because I get to discover more and more about my true self and my whole self and the true world and the whole world. And I get to share that message just like I'm doing now. There is hope. I've been through discouraging times with my physical body, discouraging times of seeing other people's physical bodies. I'm very sensitive to the despondency that can be present and we can feel it. And like, that's the thing is you can feel it and face it. But when, when you're grounded in the spiritual, you can feel it and face it in a way that's not overwhelming. It doesn't cast you into the darkness that can often feel heavy. And there's a deeper reality and a deeper joy in the truth that we are more than physical. The outer man, the outer person is being, is, is, falling apart but the inner person is being renewed day by day the outer person is in the throes of decay and the whole world around us we see it but the truer reality is that everything is actually being put back together again and again and again better and better and better until it can't be put back together any better because it's the best and there is no more decay and death and dying and weeping the end of the story is that renewal wins out over decay. And our spiritual self, our spiritual self is the deeper, the more permanent, and survives. Even when we lose this vessel, this durable earth suit, even when it finally gives in to the throes of that process, it's okay. We remain. We continue. And according to the Christian tradition, we get a new body that is imperishable. Paul says, then the perishable is clothed with the imperishable. Whatever that means, I don't know. Exactly. And I don't know the details of how that will work. But I know it's true. And it gives me a perspective to move through life. To be able to face the darkness with a light brighter light that's shining from in me and shining all around me to know that the truest, deepest process I am in and the truest, deepest self I live out of is the inner self, the inner person, the spiritual self. Look, it's a whole nother topic, how to get in tune with that. But keep listening. That's what I talk about. <laughs> hey, I love you guys. Thanks for listening and paying attention and joining me. I hope that this has encouraged you. Maybe you aren't that in tune with your spiritual self. Maybe you don't know where to start. But at least maybe I've encouraged you to start. I've struggled with depression and anxiety. I know what it's like to kind of be weighed down with this, this intangible, oppressive kind of energy. <clears throat> But it's not until I've been, become more in tune with my spiritual self that I've understood all of that and had the counterbalance of hope. And you can too. That's my encouragement. Hey guys, thanks for listening. I love all of you. I want you to thrive and be happy and healthy and get up every morning with hope and joy. If you guys um, 
want to catch more content, my website is www.moderncontemplative.com. This has been the Construction Monk Podcast. I'm your host, J. Randall Ori, and I appreciate all of you listening and joining in. And Keep joining in. Catch more content at my website if you're interested. You can catch more podcasts. You can listen to the uh, series I did on the three centers of being and knowing. I think it just it's a way to begin to think about and explore these ideas of our whole self. All right, guys. Love you all. Bye.